No, that's fine. I didn't see that. Well, glad to be with you here this morning. Preach you in Christ's name. I don't know too many folks here. I know a few. I know some faces. But privilege here to um, get to know you here more as the service will continue. From St. Thomas, we invite you to come our way as well. We have open doors, so feel free if you get in that area to drop in and pay us a visit. All right, as far as the message, God laid this on my heart. And the title I'm going to put to this message is True Contentment. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Starting at verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, into many foolish, hurtful lusts, which drown men into destruction and perdition. The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after they have Err from the faith and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Back to verse 6. Can we truly experience contentment without godliness? Being holy and godly. Can we? There's no possible way. Many have tried um, this in a powerful way. And they all come up empty-handed. They have tried to fulfill that void in their life through many things of this world. And come up dry. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be filled with Him. To um, be truly content. There is a remedy. For this discontentment. And that is echoed in verse 11. We're going to touch on this a little bit. And then rebound later on in the message. In this verse. What is the remedy? Fall after righteousness. Godliness. Faith. Love. Patience and meekness. This is the antidote that will fix your problem of discontentment. If you're struggling in this area, pursue Jesus. Pursue Him with all your heart, soul, and mind. And He will embody His presence within your soul. And you will be fruitful. You will be abounding. You will be prosperous. You're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of life. People are going to see the love, the fruit, Of Christ coming forth from your life as you walk with Him, as you make Him Lord of your life and walk in obedience. We will pick up on some of these thoughts here later on. Let's turn to verse 7. We brought nothing into this world and assert we can carry nothing out. Do we believe that reality? A lot of people live in this reality, not with that in their mind. Um, You know, we see so much fighting among 
even the Anabaptist people at times, after the biggest business, after the biggest pie, so to speak, in a figure of speech, always after gain and wealth and prestige and many other things. And it saddens my heart. We're going to enter this life naked, and we all enter this life naked, and we're going to leave this life totally naked. That reality really dawned on me as I was at the Coleman funeral as well on Monday. They had a lot of goals, a lot of ambitions, I'm sure, in their mind, in their thoughts about life. The call of God came upon them. God spoke. And they went to meet their Maker with nothing. Nothing. The only thing they left behind is a legacy of whatever they had. Works of righteousness or works of the flesh is what they left behind. We ain't going to take nothing uh, out of this life as far as when it comes to tangible things. Job 1.21 says, Naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall return. All these earthy treasures shall be dissolved, and all these elements around us shall melt with fervent heat. The only thing that's really important, brothers and sisters, is our souls, and our souls of our family, and our church, the community. What are we doing to inspire others on to kingdom values? We can't take nothing outside of our dear loved ones along to heaven. So let's put all our energy, our time, our diligence into kingdom values. Let's get anchored in Him. Let's be fruitful. Let's abound in the work of the Lord continually. Seeing then you see... Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conversation and godliness? Let's be like the five virgins, the wise virgins, that were filled up with the oil of Christ's presence, the oil of the Holy Spirit. They were fruitful. They were abounding in the work of the Lord. Let's be them kind of individuals in the kingdom of God. The other hand was the five foolish virgins they had a life of performance. Yes, someday they wanted to get serious possibly with life. And they were performing in a pretty good way. But they didn't have the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit within. They were just acting. They had a hypocritical life. No life within. What happened to them souls? They perished. Let's not be like the five virgins. Let's be like the five that are abounding in the work of the Lord. Continually. Alright. Verse 8. Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Are you satisfied with food and raiment? Are you content with that reality? We say, this is the reality many times that we say, we will be content when I get what I want. That's what I see happening among the Anabaptist people in a lot of ways. When I get what I want, I'm going to be satisfied. I'm going to be content. And we have a huge list that we propose to people and to God. Once I reach that mark, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be content. I'm going to be filled with the fullness of the Father. And some of these lists could vary. I have a few here. You know, I have heard this numerous times. You know, when I get out of debt, when I get out of this burden of debt, I can be free and I can serve the Lord and I'm going to go to the mission field and I'm going to do great things for the Lord. And they have this ultimate goal in mind to be free from this. 
And yet they're still not content within the confines of that pursuit of getting out of debt. You know, it's said a lot of people are discontent. And that's why it's taken them deep into debt. The average household holds a credit card of $8,500 in the hole. Think of that, brothers and sisters. And it's all because of discontentment after the tangible things of this world. And they're just working diligently so hard for the things of this world just to get out of debt. But yet they're not dealing with their heart. They're discontentment. They're always after things. And they think things will take care of the void within their own heart. And it spirals down. So we have this illusion. Once I experience some of these things, I'm going to be free. I'm going to do what God wants me to do and miss the precious moments of today of working and living for our Maker. I have saw this also in many individuals um, when I find this perfect job. I know we all struggle at times with our jobs. They all go up and down. And we have this ultimate goal of if I could find the right job that would just please every area of my life, then that's what will take care of the loose ends. I will be content. I will be happy. And I know one man that just continues to go from job to job. He's always looking across on the other side of the fence, saying it's greener over there, and he's moving continually. And he's not at rest within his own soul. And he's in the Anabaptist faith as well. It's sad. I see that happening tremendously. So we must go deeper to find the reality of this contentment. Young men, what about your vehicle? What about your car? What about the things uh, of that as well? Are you satisfied with what you have? Are you looking around and admiring your friend's vehicle and wish you had the money and the potential to buy this wonderful Chevy truck or Ford, whatever it could be? Where are your eyes going? What are they motivating you to do? I share this story. There's a customer of mine that goes back about 10 years. He drove an old beater of a vehicle to work every day. He was a FedEx driver. He had this longing for many years to buy a brand new Chevy truck. Well, that day came. He had another finances. His wife was right by his side, encouraged him to do this. Finally, he bought what he really dreamed for. He said, man, when I get this, I'm going to have life. I'm going to have what I really wanted. He bought that vehicle. And I was doing a job there when all that was transpiring. He drove it to work different days on fair weather days. And then he echoed. He said, man, I can't hardly drive this truck anymore. He said, I'm afraid I'm going to be putting scratches on this truck. And it's starting to go downhill already. And he started worrying and fretting over this wonderful truck that he just dreamed for for years. And he kept that truck for about one year with some of them thoughts in his mind, and he ended up selling the thing. And he went back to his old beater, and he was more content with his old beater than that wonderful Chevy truck that he dreamed for for many years. So that's the reality of it. Satan will take our mind and paint a glorious picture on that side that it's not true. This man went and experienced our reality of a wonderful truck that he longed for, and he experienced the very opposite of what he thought he was going to experience. That's the trick of Satan. That's the lie and the illusion he presents before us many times. 
It will be over there. And we miss it. And people are running here and there trying to find that. Young ladies, what about the perfect dress? When you go to the clothing store, what do you think about when you're buying material? Is this going to stimulate your ego? Or is this going to bring contentment? You know, what is your thoughts? And many young ladies are buying dresses just to be admired by other ladies. And to hear their praise and admiration, you're thinking, if I could get the right one this time, I'll be content. I'll be happy. I'll be satisfied with the right sweater, the right shoes. The list could go on. We spend a lot of time worrying about the flesh, worrying about things, and trying to beef up our bodies, trying to find the, the missing link in our life. Within our heart, there's a void, there's an emptiness that only can be filled up with Jesus Christ, not in intangible things. And that's what we need to get a hold of. And that vacuum is wonderful. That vacuum is, is built by God. And he, he wants to fill it with His divine nature, His divine life, His presence. And we can only find it in Him, not in tangible things. And yet we say, yes, we're not going there. I don't have a problem in this area. But I'm old enough to see that I have been around a numerous uh, group of people in my life. And I see a lot of young people, a lot of ladies going after the fads and the passions of this world. Trying to find that missing link in their life. And they're missing it. They're missing the greatest opportunity of their life. You know, I hear this as well. If I had the perfect shape and people make resolutions every year, and it's one of the greatest resolutions, if I could just be the right size and they purpose in their heart, they're going to do whatever it takes. And they're after fulfillment. They're after contentment. And they want it. And it's okay to try to lose weight. But if that's your main focus, to be a married and to um, find the praises of men, it's a wrong desire. Your looks, are you happy? Are you discontent with your looks? Or if I just had this perfect voice like my other friend over here, that would make me happy. That would make me content. I could sing like a bird. And that would bring the fulfillment. All these can be realities in our heart. And I have heard this as well in my 44 years if I had a bank account full, if I had money in my savings account, then I would have the potential to relax more and experience <clears throat> contentment within. Side. If I had just the ability to preach like Brother Joe back here in the corner, you know, that would just bring contentment to my heart. That would bring satisfaction to me. If I could just teach like Brother Sam back here, that would do it as well. And the list could go on and on of what we pursue after and miss the Lord Jesus Christ. I see multitudes of people trying desperately to find the perfect life and they're missing it. Just like the gold rush that happened way back many years ago. There was this call that the gold is in California and the best life that you could ever dream of is there if you could get it. And people were willing to sacrifice family, friends, relatives, community, their job, all for the gold because they knew if they got that gold, they would find the thing of their life. They would find the true contentment that they really wanted to find. And many of them never got there. They lost their lives 
on their rugged road to California. And when they got there, a few of them, they never found what they really were looking for. And the ones that did really find the gold were empty as a tin can like they always were. Let's not run like the folks ran after the, the gold. Instant gratification is all around us. Our society stimulates discontentment majorly. All the billboards, all the stores, um, the businesses are always trying to make you discontent. They're making you want to move in their direction, saying they have the best. And if you would get this, you'd be happy. Your farming would go a lot better if you had the newest, the best of the equipment that is out there. And we have to take a stand against this. We're going to make it. True contentment is found in Christ, not in things. Do we believe this reality in Christ are hid all the treasures of life? In Him. Do we believe that reality? The abundant life is in Him. We are complete in Him, not in things. That is where life really is. The problem we have many times is we have a divided loyalty. We want all what Jesus has to offer, and yet we want all the world at the same time. Jesus plus things. And we become divided in our loyalties. One will take preeminence. You can only serve one master. And one will take preeminence of your life. God is a wonderful God that will take care of us. And He will sustain us. He will help us. He knows our need. He wants us to be content with food and raiment. But He loves us way more than that. And He will bless us in a powerful way. Some of the thoughts of the generosity of our wonderful Savior. Let's turn to Matthew 6 and read some of the reality of what Christ will do for the ones that truly love Him. Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, nor what you should drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cupid unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spend. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What ye shall eat, or what, what shall ye drink, or wherewithal shall ye be clothed. For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father know that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for itself, and itself specific, significant. Unto the day is the evil thereof. What a wonderful picture here of Christ's vision. He will take care of us. He takes care of the birds. Uh, they don't sow. They don't. They don't um, lay out for store, and yet the heavenly Father feeds them. And we are much more greater than sparrows. Christ knows our needs. Let's. Surrender all our ambitions and our goals upon the altar of Jesus Christ. 
Let's let it there. He will order our life. He will put things together. God has taught me many things over my short time here on this earth. When I get very busy, I, I can tend to pull away from my close communion with Jesus. And then all of a sudden this happens and that happens. And Lord shows me, you can't handle life on your own. You need me. And that's when I go to my knees and say, Father, I'm sorry for getting caught up in this little area and that little area. And I surrender all my goals and my ambitions on the altar. And I'm amazed every time when I do that, God orders my life in a perfect manner. Things flow together at work. I'm, I'm fruitful in my home more. I'm, I'm mentoring my children in a much better way. And it's amazing when you give everything up to Christ, He gives you the ability to be fruitful in a powerful way. He knows what we need and He will give um, that to us continually. The key point here is God will take care of all your needs if you give Him that privilege. If you give Him that opportunity. And the next uh, chapter here, we have the verse here, Ask, seek, and knock. How diligently are we asking and seeking for the kingdom of God? The idea there is to knock with desperation to know the will of God. We have a wonderful shepherd. I have been a Christian for numerous years. And I must say, as I walk with Christ, my, my love for Christ is growing deeper and deeper. I have a precious, gracious Heavenly Father that cares for my needs. And I'm willing to lay everything on the altar because when I do that, I experience a new life. I experience the richness of His fellowship and His goodness. So let's walk with Him and let Him show His power. He delights in the impossible. We had an experience at St. Thomas many years ago that really challenged us. We had a preemie that was born. And she spent, this little girl spent many days at the hospital. Over a hundred days. And this bill was going way up over a hundred thousand. So it was all said and done, it was about 230,000. And it's like, how in the world are we going to accomplish this? We're only a small congregation. All of us had obligations. And many had debt loads in relation to their properties. And we just made a matter of prayer. And we were at the most vulnerable spot to turn away from the impossible. We were right there where people were looking, well, what should we do? Should we just turn this all over and... um to uh, government assistance and all that. There's many possibilities. And there's different. I always said, no, let's put our faith in God. Let's put our trust in Him. And He will take care of us. And it's amazing. We had that money paid back within, I think, two and a half years. Numerous congregations heard about our dilemma. And God was moving congregations to send huge checks our way. And the guy that was the father of this little girl, this was standing at all of the power of Christ. He knew our need. Jesus Christ knew our need. And He delayed in the impossible and He brought it to pass. And we're so thankful. And it was a faith-building experience. Nobody even cherishes that kind of reality at all because it looks impossible. But Christ strengthened our faith in a deep way, personally, as a congregation as well. So let's put our faith in Him. Christ says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What a perfect promise that He has given to us. Paul said, 
I have learned in whatever, whatever state I am there with me content. He was content whether he was abounding in the work of the Lord or when everything went backwards. Because Jesus was his treasure. That's why he was fruitful. That's why he, he could say that. Didn't matter what came about. Yes, it affected his feelings. Yes, it affected his emotions. And I'm sure he had trials through it all. But his goal was to be like Jesus. His goal was to be in the presence of the Maker at all times. And that's how he could say he abounded when he was lean. And also when he was in need. Have we learned to um, abound in them realities? He wants to put the puzzle together in a powerful way. Like I said early, earlier, contentment is found by having the indwelling presence of Christ. The full joy. He is here. Let's not pass Him by. He's right here in this room. We're looking for many opportunities to find Jesus. And we miss Him. Let's not pass Him by. What about the Israelites? They struggled majorly with this subject of discontentment. When they were in Egypt, they were worked very hard under the heavy hand of Pharaoh. And they wanted to be delivered. And when that opportunity came for them to be brought out of Egypt, it wasn't very long on that journey they started complaining because they didn't have enough food and they didn't have enough of food to fill their stomachs. And they complained again. God wanted to bring the world out of them through trials, and yet they weren't turning toward their Maker. They were always after tangible things, things that they thought would bless their life and bring them true fulfillment. And they missed the mark. Thousands died in the wilderness because of discontentment. Unbelief, they died in the wilderness. So let's take that and be sober. Let's not complain about the things that come into our experience. Let's yoke up with Jesus and let Him Lord of our life. They failed to see the eternal purpose. There's one thing that came out as I was sharing a message last Sunday in Shenston is this very aspect of eternal purpose. We don't understand why the Colmans had to leave so soon. But God had eternal purpose through that whole call. And it's touching many souls in a powerful way. There was a brother uh, in that uh, church service. Actually, it was my brother Dave. His neighbor, 69 years old, came to his doorstep the next day. He said, I don't think my church is on the right track. He said, I would like to come to Shinston. I'm trying to get my wife to come there. And Dave talked to him for two hours. This is why the accident happened. God has the eternal purpose through it all. He wants to bring souls into the kingdom of God. He's trying to wake up people. Yet, we don't understand exactly why all it had to be in the Coleman family. But God has a eternal picture. He understands everything. And He is working it for His purpose, for His goal. Praise God that He is doing that. <clears throat> he knows what is best. You know, we serve a God of order. Many times I go out in a in a night um, around our place sometimes when it's very clear. I just love to look up and see all the stars all placed at their perfect place. God is a God of order. And He just loves to order our lives. If He can order this universe and speak into it and create it in six days, 
He can order your life, even though you might think it's chaotic and impossible. He is able to take every area of your life and order it in a powerful way, in a good way, in a marvelous way for His glory. Are you willing to let Him have that privilege? We live, once again, in America full of people running after the next gadget. I have an aunt that's obsessed with antiques. She's a fanatic. She just loves to buy antiques. And her goal is if she can keep buying these antiques um, and the right one, she's going to be filled. She's going to be completely happy. What about your cell phone? Young people, older ones. I just see so many people pedal around on these these gadgets trying to find fulfillment, find trying to find uh, uh, contentment. And it's not happening. They're lean. They're empty. They're hollow. They're on... All kinds of things like that. Looking for the next exciting event. Looking for the next trip. Next goal down the road. And many people are missing family times. I know one family that is so caught up in this world that they have hardly any time to sit down and enjoy life together as a family. Eat a meal together. Because everybody's on the run. Everybody's after their own fulfillment. Their own instant gratification. It's sad, but that's where we're at, brothers and sisters. We're going to have to purpose to stop, to reanalyze what our goals are, what makes us, what makes us tick, what is driving our heart. Is it the Lord Jesus Christ? We live in a fast pace of life, and we need to stop, look, and listen to the still, small voice. Many people are violating God's principles and they're heading downhill. And many are trapped in this vicious cycle. And I hear families saying, what happened to our children? I mean, they're growing up and they're going to the world. And he said, I don't know what we did wrong. And there's some families I can say, well, they pursued the wealth of this world. They pursued the things of this world. And their children captivated their goals, their interests, and they're taking it on, even though the parents are in the Anabaptist faith. So let's take heed to these calls. Why are we so busy? What are we working for? What is our goals in life? What are we willing to sacrifice to meet with our Maker? There was one God that shared this with me about a year ago. He had a great job opportunity above what he already had. As he sat and pondered it, he said, I'm not going to move. He said, I'm not going to change my position on a job. And he was going to add it on. He thought about adding on top of his other job. He said, you know what's going to happen? My family's going to suffer. My children's going to suffer. And everybody around me is going to suffer. He said, yes, the money would be great. And he said, it would be wonderful to make a lot more money. He said, I'm going to lay all that down just to build kingdom values. What a privilege to hear a man of God echo that. Wealth and riches is a tremendous snare. And Satan is using his best to distract his bride. Many are pursuing money, wealth, prestige, and it's destroying many. Many are becoming intoxicated with the wealth of this world. And they can't even discern what is right and wrong. And that's what happens when we're intoxicated with things and are running after tangible stuff. We can't discern right. We can't even perceive the kingdom values in a clear way. We're going to be unprofitable. We're not going to see clearly. So let's be men of God. 
men of holiness, men that are on fire for God. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Are we content with Jesus? Are we content with that reality? Back to the urgent call again. O man of God, flee these things. Run from the desire is what it's alluding to here. Fall after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. An urgent call. I don't know how many yuns, I don't know if yuns are on the fire company down here. We're not there in our community. But when the call comes in to the fire company, it's urgency. They move on out with a purpose and a plan to accomplish what is necessary. Are we following Christ with that urgency to follow after righteousness and faith and meekness with that urgency to meet our need and to meet the needs of others as well. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on Christ. Another young man that tried to find contentment in money was the young rich ruler. He had a lot of wealth. And I don't know how many um, riches he had. But he was very full. And he heard the words of Christ. The words of Christ was, you need to give this up. This is your God. This is your pursuit. This is what you're after. This is your consolation. You need to give this up. And he said, no, I can't give it up. He missed the greatest opportunity in his life. Right there was Jesus, right by his side, that could point him on to abundant life. And he was willing to hold on to tangible stuff and miss Jesus. And I see that reality in many souls. Jesus is here, and yet they hold on to their wealth and miss the greatest opportunity. Jesus is our perfect example. And I shared this in a different message, and I'm going to try to incorporate this a little wee bit into this message. But this was a real inspiration and eye-opener to me as well. We have a wonderful Savior that was perfect. And I try to illustrate here in this board a little bit what I'm talking about. We have God that's up here. And you have Christ. As Christ was walking this earth, He had pure motives all the time. And there was continuity between God and Christ in a perfect way. There was no flaws there. Christ obeyed God completely, all the time. There was that flow all the time. And I look at this as a wonderful relationship. And it's almost sacred. And yet He's calling us in John 17 to be one with Christ like Christ is one with God. Are you experiencing that reality? And He's calling us to that level. That man, right under here, is having continuity with Christ, just like Christ is with God. I mean, Christ was very passionate about the will of God. Very passionate. He's willing to sacrifice whatever to always accomplish the will of the Father. Are we, in manner, so concerned about Christ that we're willing to sacrifice all things to have that continuity, that friendship, that relationship, that sweet relationship that He wants us to have? That is His goal. And this is wonderful when this reality even goes further. When a man is under the Lordship of Christ, he has the ability, he has the gift of God 
to connect with his wife. And they can have a wonderful relationship. There can be continuity in a powerful way, in a godly way. Are you experiencing that, brothers and sisters? That's the call of God in our life. And then He's going to flow even further into our families when all this headship order is in order under God's divine lordship. We can have families that we can have good relationships with. We care for our children. We want them to go on toward kingdom values because we're connected to Christ. We see what matters. We see what really is important in life. And we're going we're gonna to actually infuse that. We're going to teach that into our children because we have a relationship with our Maker. And we're going to want that reality to go the whole way, whole way through. This is God's eternal purpose. And it's only going to happen when we're really walking in obedience. That is the ticket right here. Um, or we see the answer right here, more or less, in Christ in God. Obedience. Doing what is right at all times sets us on toward righteousness. Sets us on toward kingdom values and we can have continuity with Christ. That is His ultimate goal. But many times this is the reality we have the same scenario over here. We have God and we have Christ. And that union is always perfect. And we have man down here. He has not surrendered under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He wants his own agenda, and yet he knows how to do things in his own strength. And as he travels on through life, guess what happens? There's a wall between him and Christ. And I see that reality happen many times. Men that are not connected with Christ and are not willing to listen and walk in obedience, there's a wall. There's not no continuity. And they pursue the wealth of this world. And yet they might be in the confines of the Mennonite church. And they might look very good. But there's not that friendship, that continuity, that relationship. And this young man, he goes on through life. He can handle life in his own strength. And he goes on and pursues a wife. And he says, I have it put together. I can handle it. And he goes about mastering his own life. And he realizes soon into the married union, there's a wall between him and his wife. There's not a flow. He knows something's wrong and he can't figure it out. And he might spend all kinds of time trying to figure out what the problem really is. And it's because he's not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And then the sad scenario is they live together and they have a family. And without this continuity intact, there's no way a man or a woman can have a good relationship with their children. There's no way. I was sort of in this scenario. My wonderful mother had a relationship with Christ. My father, there's this wall right here. Still is yet today. We as a family had to find our way to Christ. It was very difficult. It wasn't easy. I had a difficult upbringing in a lot of ways. And I will give praise to my Maker that I'm standing here before you this morning. I turned my back on Christ and walked toward the world for a couple of years. I didn't really want that, but I didn't know what else to do. I had fears in my heart. And I didn't, I didn't know um, where I really was going 
And Satan took me further than what I really wanted to go. But praise God, I had a wonderful mother that kept praying for me, interceding at the throne of grace. And the call came when I was 19 to come back to Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm here by His divine grace, by His divine power, no glory of my own. I turned my life over to Jesus. And I'm here by His divine purpose and will. But this is a wonderful example of what Christ wants for this congregation. I don't know the needs here. I don't know the souls here. But this is what I want for my home and St. Thomas and you as well. But I see this reality so many times. It's devastating. And it's in the confines of the Anabaptist church. There's walls within relationships. And people just avoid each other. And yet they talk about Jesus. And they talk about how precious they love God. And yet I see walls. I don't see brokenness. I don't see the contrite heart in people. And maybe you're perfect down here. Probably don't, I'm not sure your needs. I'm just bearing my heart. I shared this message at St. Thomas. And it has been a real challenge to me as well. Of the reality of where Christ really wants to take His bride. Are we content? And if you want contentment, it's right here. On this channel. On this side. Multitudes of people will be blessed by your obedience or disobedience. Remember Joseph, he was obedient. And he's a man that I'm totally amazed by. He stood out against all odds and was obedient to his maker. He affected thousands. Israel was salvaged through his obedience. And also the stunning reality is if you have, you have, um, one generation, they have six children, and you keep this scenario rolling into five generations, you're gonna have 7,776 souls coming out of your loins. And it's going to go way more. If you take it into nine generations, you're going to have 10 billion people coming from your loins. If they all get married, they all have sex, and that continues the whole way through. You carry a tremendous responsibility, brothers and sisters. Your obedience will, will shape the world for Christ or destroy it as well. Let's be content in His kingdom. Let's walk with Him. Where is our love level with Christ? Is it way up here? I used this scenario at our our church not long ago. Right here is 50%. Maybe you are up here 75%. Is that good enough? Maybe you're way up here 95%. What does Christ say about it? Christ says, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And when I got 95% in school, I was pretty good. I thought I was, I was hitting it. I saw good. I was happy. In Christ's kingdom, it's not so. Christ wants all of your heart, all of your heart, completely. He wants 100% right here. Are you giving Him 100% of your life? He is worthy. He is the greatest shepherd. He gave His all. He spared nothing. And He wants His children in return to give up all and to experience Him in a powerful way. God's eyes are running to and fro looking for godly vessels, looking for hearts that are pure toward Him.
Feed the inner man, brothers and sisters. Feed it. We like to feed other things. Let's feed the inner man. And the more you feed it, the more it's going to grow. The more you're going to taste, the more of a hunger you're going to have for Christ. That is how it is in my life. The more I pray, the more I feed with a vision of meeting with Jesus. I mean, we can just read and we can pray, but if we miss Jesus, it's going to be empty. It's going to be void. We need to read and pray with a purpose to understand Christ, to understand His will, and to see Him unfold before us His life. So let's feed the inner man and godly fruit will be the outflow of our heart. And I love this phrase, and maybe you heard this phrase before. Study the mind of the Maker until the until I'll start over. Study the mind of the Master until the Master Himself becomes Master of your mind. I'll read that again. Study the mind of the Maker until the Master Himself becomes the Master of your mind. That's only going to come forth when we feed daily upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's sit at Jesus' feet like Mary and learn of Him. Another thing that has really been uh, on my heart recently is I have been really looking at the life of Christ. As you really look at the life of Christ, what did He do? He took the low seat in everything. He came, was born in a manger, in a barn, the dirty old barn. And throughout his life, he should have been on the best horse and yet he chose the donkey. He always chose the low seat. Brothers and sisters, we all struggle with pride in our heart. We all deal with that. But we must deal with this in a right way. Let's take the low seat where Jesus is. That's where Jesus sits. And if you want to meet with Christ and have the fullness of His presence, we're going to have to condescend to that low degree of humility. And as we condescend in that state of humility, the devil is lost. He loses all his power completely. It totally disarms him. He doesn't even want to do with humility in your life. When you humble yourself and strip yourself completely in all areas, he loses all power. Let's take on the mind of Christ and walk in humility, brokenness under Christ's Lordship. Let's be content in Him. Let's find that sweet relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I echo once more again, true contentment is found near the heart of God. There's where it's found. Bloom where you're planted. God orchestrated you to be here this Sunday morning. This community, this church, for whatever reason, I don't know this church um, at all, so to speak, outside of Yunzer here, but bloom where you're planted. God has a purpose. He has a plan for you. And use the greatest, um, be the greatest potential for His kingdom. Put it that way. Bloom in His kingdom. Let's not look around and wish we were on the other side of the fence and miss the greatest opportunity like that young rich ruler missed. So that's my goal, my encouragement to you. God bless you. I just want to see you as fruitful um, in Christ's kingdom. May God richly bless you. Uh, I just want to bear my heart. This is what the Lord gave to me. I just want it to be a blessing to you as well. May God bless you.